the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on AM 990. FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Pete Paquette, once again, engineering for us. Andrew Herdliska does the producing. And I'm happy to introduce Dr. Gene Allen in Saddlebrook, Missouri. His book is out, Taking Care of Business, Live by Faith, Lead with Courage. Gene, uh, so nice to welcome you to Orlando. How are you? Doing great this morning, Pat. I want to hear about this book and how it came about and why you felt it was important to write it. Well, the reason I wrote the book, uh, I had a mentor. His name is Dr. Mike Brown, who has been in the ministry for about 50 years. He's still young at heart, though. (laughs) And he uh, kept up with the business uh, since nineteen ninety. Three, when I actually went in business for myself as a co-partner with another gentleman. And uh, every two or three weeks, Mike would call and say, hey, how's it going in your new business? And he kept seeing the miracles in my business. For instance, I'm a small company just starting out with about a five-man crew. And all of a sudden, I tell him, well, I'm working now for the second largest general contractor not in the U.S., but in the world. And they're on a billion-dollar project building a industrial complex uh, down in Corpus Christi, Texas, and they've hired me to do uh, the coatings, the industrial painting on the job. And so things like that begin to happen in my business. And after a few years, uh Back in about 2015, he said, Gene, you've got to write a book and and chronicle all of the miracles God's done and, and all of the things that he's done in your business. Because <clears throat> me being in the ministry, I was a pastor for two churches that I actually started the churches back in the early 80s. Uh, And Mike and I had been in the ministry a long time, and so he knew that I'd given God all the glory and all the credit for the success of that business. And the reason was, is as soon as I formed that company, I became the president of that company and owned 50% shares of stock, and I immediately told my the co-partner I had, I said, you know, I can be the president, but we're going to let the Lord be the CEO, and we're going to make God our business partner. And the Bible says if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will direct our paths. And that's what happened to me. Uh, The Lord, every day I would pray as I went to work as a believer And I included God in my business every day. I prayed. And also, I became a giver in the kingdom of God. The money that the company uh, started making, lots of revenue, uh, we, my wife and I, started building churches overseas on four different continents, uh, orphanages, Christian schools, uh, and all those things. And I noticed as our giving increased, my business increased. So with all that in mind, I decided to write a book 
based on Matthew 6.33 that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God was saying, basically, if you take care of my business, Gene, I'm going to take care of yours. My guest is Gene Allen. Gene, the first chapter is simply called The Dream. Uh, Anything to add here about The Dream? Well, I'm standing under the Eiffel Tower. We get to the Eiffel Tower. I went to a church conference in Paris, and this was in 91. I wasn't even in business then, but I was the vice president for a leading uh, successful company. And as soon as we got off the bus, my pastor that I was with, he just started dying laughing he, because they were painting the Eiffel Tower, and they had it draped, and the bus drive, tour bus driver apologized and said, folks, they're painting the Eiffel Tower. We apologize, but you can still maneuver around, and uh, they've got it enclosed. The areas they're working. And he looked at me and laughed because I was a painting contractor, right? And not just a painting contractor, but I was a steel painter. I painted large steel structures, but nothing that big. But And then after about an hour, he said, Gene, I believe the Lord spoke to me while we were here and said, you would be painting structures of this magnitude one day. Well, under my breath, Pat, I laughed, kind of like Sarah, you know, and yeah, I'm going to have a baby and I'm 90 years old with Abraham kind of thing, you know, remember that story? Oh, yes. And (laughs) so about a year and a half went by and I got a phone call uh, and I did the largest drag line uh, that they make at a coal mining site. And uh, the boom was 338 foot long. It was uh, unbelievable. Then the following month, it was on the Discovery Channel, and the God reminded me. He said, Gene, I spoke through your pastor that you were going to be painting some of the largest structures on earth. Here's number one. And so <laughs> then a year after that, uh, I began to work for the second largest uh, general contractor in the world and landed another uh, big project. And so from there, the dream was God gave me a vision from that point on to believe that with God, nothing was impossible. And so that's that's why I wrote the book, and that, that's why the first chapter is called The Dream. Now I want you to go to the second uh, topic, follow your destiny. Explain to us, Gene. Well, follow your destiny. Uh, I was a young man, and I tried a couple of times to get out of the industrial painting business. It was very competitive uh, from the the Florida coast all the way to the uh, San Padre Island, you know, tip of Texas, all of the Gulf Coast had hundreds of chemical plants and refineries and industrial complexes, and it was real competitive, and I was wanting to get into something else. But, you know, it seemed like the Lord would always shut the door. And I I felt like, well, this is my lot in life because nothing else uh, would open up. And so after about four or five years, I realized this is what the Lord wanted me to do. And, and at that time, I was a young man. I was uh, uh, in load management. I was just a project manager. Uh, had worked my way up to a project manager from uh, foreman and superintendent and those things. And uh, so I began to realize that God had a plan for my life, but it was a better plan that I could have came up with. And so Jeremiah uh <clears throat> 29.11 says, God said, I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you and move you forward and not do you any harm, but do good. And so from that scripture, we don't have time to get into that, but I begin to realize God had a destiny for me, just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. You read all the great stories. God called people and gave them, a, uh, they had a destiny to follow. Because God had a plan for their lives. Now tell me about seizing opportunities, your third topic for us, Gene. Okay, and seizing opportunities is one of my favorite. In 1993, I was vice president of a company, and I was working on a commission 
And the company I was working for, we didn't see eye to eye on my commission. I felt like I was shorted. So I went to the owner and we parted ways. And I went home and told my wife, I said, hey, guess what? I quit my job today. At that time in 1988, I was making a little over 200000 a year. That's not a bad salary, right, Pat? So she panicked and said, oh, my God, you quit your job. We're building a new house. I said, well, you know what? I called his name out, and I said, John Doe is not my source, but God is my source, baby. And I said, the Lord will provide for us, and I'll get another job. So I didn't think it would happen that quick. In 48 hours, I was building this new house. And the, the man that, the company that was building that house, he owned about six other companies. He was one of the wealthiest men in Orange County, Texas. And he approached me and asked me how my job was going. I said, well, Earl, I'm out of the job. He said, what do you mean? I said, I quit. I'm looking for a job right now. He said, well, listen, your timing may be good. You, you know, I've always been interested in getting into that business. Can you come by my office Friday? So Friday, I went and met with him, and in 48 hours after I quit, I walked into an office I didn't build, a staff I didn't hire, a credit line at the bank I didn't have, finances that I didn't have to start a company, and Earl said, Gene, I've got everything we need, and I'll, I'll finance it, <clears throat> and you'll be president of the company and own 50%, and I'll own, own the other. And mm. so from there... That was a pretty miraculous thing that happened when you think about it. I put up no money, became president of a company, and about four years after I started that company, my salary went, you remember that 200000 I was making? I'll just tell you this. It started well being over a million dollars. Wow. And God, God began to multiply the loaves and the fishes. You know, I always read about that when I was a kid, about multiplying the loaves and fishes. But again, I connected with giving and, and having a heart to give to build the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talks about if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow in abundance, you reap in abundance because he was raising an offering for a Macedonian missionary trip. And that chapter, it's a great financial chapter because it explains the power of giving and how God will bless your lives. Not so you can hoard money and, and keep it off yourself, but to build his kingdom. So if I hadn't have went to Earl's office that day, I seized the moment because he offered me an opportunity that would be like Haley's Comet only comes around once every 70 to 100 years because what a tremendous offer for a young man like me that didn't have the financial resources to start a business. So seizing the moment, and here's my, my, my saying that God gave me, Pat. The difference between having a dream and living one is to discern divine moments before they disappear. Gene Allen is our guest. Gene will be back. we got to take a break here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More with Gene Allen right after this. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Gene Allen is with us in Saddlebrook, Missouri, the book Taking Care of Business. Gene, I want you to talk to us about the joy of giving, topic number four. Well, you know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, lots of people know that scripture. But, you know, Pat, there's something, a warm feeling comes over you whenever you give to whether it's benevolence or give to a missionary who's going to do God's work overseas or in your own church. When you give, God is the greatest giver in the universe. And so we were created in his image. So if you're born again as you give, 
you way down in your spirit, you feel the, the blessing and the presence of God in your spirit through the Holy Spirit. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so the joy of giving is to see the kingdom of God grow, to see a church that you planted in Kenya, Africa, like I did, and then you see it blossom from uh, 25 people to 2,500 people and so forth. So that's what that chapter is about. It's a great chapter. Uh, Now explain to us the reward of expectations. What does that mean? Okay. Hebrews 11, chapter 6 says, It's impossible to please God, Pat, without faith. It's the one thing that will move God and touch God is our faith. God will respond to it. It's impossible to please him without faith because he said, He that comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so with that in mind, when you walk, expectation is like the first cousin to having faith. You know, you can believe in something, but expectation occurs when you start walking that faith out and you have works. You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead, being alone, right? So expectation is when we are looking, a farmer plants his crops in Iowa and he sows his field with corn. Well, there's a time when when he is expecting a harvest. And so that chapter, the reward of expectations in every area of your life, when you're walking with Jesus, whether it's your marriage, your finances, your job, your relationship with your children, business or whatever, God wants us to walk in faith and expect his blessing because as he told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to be a blessing. So that's what that chapter's about. Tell me about the um, payoff of perseverance. Okay, Pat, and the payoff of of perseverance, there was a great college coach named Jimmy Johnson that won a national championship for the Gators for Florida. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) You can amen me anytime. (laughs) Amen. Pat, Jimmy Johnson led, uh, I tell you, he persevered as a coach, but his dream was to coach the Dallas Cowboys. And so Jimmy uh, left uh, the Florida area and he came to Dallas and started a great team called the Dallas Cowboys. Under his uh, reign, he won two Super Bowls. But the story of Jimmy Johnson and Emmett Smith's story is even more incredible because both of them persevered. When Emmett was six years old, he looked at his dad watching a Cowboy game at six years old and said, I'm going to play for the Dallas Cowboys one day. Wow, that's unbelievable when you think about it. And so Emmett played foot, college football for Florida, and then uh, he got drafted by the Cowboys. But if you look at the way he was drafted, it was pretty miraculous. But then Emmett wrote down all of his goals. I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to be most valuable player. I want to break Walter Payton's rushing record. I mean, he set goals. I mean, all of that would have been unachievable to most people. And said they would have said, wow, he's a dreamer. But Emmett Smith believed that. But what got him there, Pat? And here's the answer. It's why I use him for an example. Emmett persevered because of faith expectation, and his perseverance allowed him to fulfill Ephesians 3.20 that says, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can think or ask according to the power that works in us. So Emmett not only was the most valuable player, but he made it three or four times. He was he didn't win just one Super Bowl. He won three Super Bowls, and he broke Walter Payton's rushing record and still holds the title for the most rushing. So I used him for an example that people could see uh, what God can do 
And Emmett's very vocal about his relationship with God also. Next topic for you, the brilliance of resilience. Well, the brilliance of resilience is every time you get in the bind and you've got uh, obstacles that get in your way and there's roadblocks in life, resilience is a quality that we must have to quickly find a way to, to come up with ways to overcome those roadblocks and, and things that come against us. And uh, the brilliance of resilience is in, in that chapter, it shows you ways uh, to follow the word of God and to believe God and let God give you ideas how to be your bailout uh, person. You know, we, we heard years ago uh, someone coined the <laughs> phrase uh, bailout. Well, God has a bailout plan. For me, a company owed me $2 million one time in a shipyard down in Texas and filed bankruptcy. I went home and told my wife, I said, we've been in business three years. The company owes me $2 million. They filed bankruptcy. It's, if God don't intervene, it's going to be over. She said, well, why would you think God wouldn't intervene? And I started laughing. I said, well, baby, I need your faith. Lay hands on me and pray for me. I, I, I need my faith is low. And so two weeks later, that company got bought out, and they wrote me a check because my equipment was still in their yard down in that shipyard, and they had three oil rigs coming in to repair at about a $100 million contract, and they wanted me to do all the painting. And so... That's how God bailed me out. But I was praying the whole time, Lord, I know that I've been a giver. I've given my life to you, and you helped start this company, and I know I'm not going down because I've got seed in the ground. That means, Pat, that I've sown money into the kingdom of God, and God created and allowed me to have business so I could continue to be a sower in the kingdom of God. And so uh, that's what that chapter's about. Tell me about the mindset of optimism, Gene. Well, in the mindset of, of optimism, we're, we're either, <clears throat> we walk as a pessimist or an optimist. And I used a lady, her name was Helen Keller. And Pat, I'm sure you're familiar with her story. This lady was born uh, blind and deaf, and she wrote over 25 or 30 books. And what she achieved, and actually she wrote a great book on optimism. And so optimism is a state of mind that no matter how bad things look, through faith we can overcome anything in our life. Through faith and through walking with the Lord, and here's the deal. There were 12 disciples that walked with Jesus, Pat, for three years. And they saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And the question is, I have for people in that chapter is, if you're walking with Jesus, why would you not experience miracles? And that's why in my business, time would fail me. That's uh, why I wrote the book. And I list all the things that God did in my life that was miracles, that every day, but I went to the office every day believing, expecting, and having a mindset of optimism. And in business, you can't succeed without being an op optimistic person. Now, I want you to talk about the power of wisdom, synergy, and collaboration. Okay, well, you heard... There's an old saying that says, well, you know, two heads are better than one and three heads are better than two. And I learned in business real quick. And again, I go to football. You, you By now, you can tell I love football. <laughs> but but Bill, let's take Bill Belichick of the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, he's got to be considered the best coach it's probably ever been because he, he won six Super Bowls. And uh, I'm not necessarily a Patriots fan. I became one at the end with Brady. Uh, you know, Brady's won seven 
Super Bowls, but Bill Belichick surrounded himself with the right quarterback and the right coaching staff that won him those six Super Bowls. And so what I teach in that chapter is there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, in the counsel of many is wisdom and success over there in the book of Proverbs with the counsel of many. You see, the more we surround ourselves with successful people, we're going to be successful. Jimmy Johnson got over there to Dallas, and he had a Troy Aikman, Hall of Famer, Emmett Smith, Hall of Famer, Michael Irvin, Hall of Famer, and on and on and on. In five years, he drafted 51 of of the greatest players uh, in football. So did Belichick. So we've got to surround ourselves. That's the power of synergy, surrounding ourselves. And it's kind of like a musical orchestra. When all the instruments come together, uh, just went and heard the uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And if you haven't heard them, it's a fantastic uh, show that right at Christmas they tour the U.S. Gene read his book, Taking Care of Business, Live by Faith, Lead with Courage. Make sure you get it. Uh, you're listening to the let Pat me, Williams let, Saturday Power let me Hour. Say one, let me say one thing, Pat. Yes, Gene. Go to Amazon, Amazon.com and you can get the book. It, it'll really help you. Fabulous. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We have more. Stay with us here. On AM 990, FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Dr. Gene Allen, our guest in that first segment, uh, talking about his book, Taking Care of Business, Live by Faith, Lead with Courage. He was in Saddlebrook, Missouri. We go to Jupiter, Florida. There's Brant Hansen, nationally syndicated radio host, podcaster of the Brant and Sherry Oddcast. His book is out. It's coming out. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. Experiencing real joy in a world gone mad. Brant, welcome to Orlando. How are you doing? Hey, it's great to talk to you. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Uh, Brant, uh, explain this book. Explain the title. What's going on here? <laughs> it's called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing Real Joy in a World Gone Mad. And it's about actually being at peace, even with all the news that's going on. Because people aren't at peace as a general rule. They're very anxious, they're very angry. And I'm speaking as somebody who's a, a believer and a, a Jesus follower, so I'm coming at it from this angle of, of, like, why wouldn't we be joyful, even with all this stuff going on? God's not surprised by anything. We actually don't have to be worried. Jesus isn't crazy when he says we don't have to be anxious. This is all very doable. And uh, it's all about that. I tried to make the book funny, too, but that's in the eye of the beholder, of course. But um, it's all it's all about that. And when I say joy, I love Dallas Willard's definition of that, which was, a pervasive sense of well-being regardless of circumstances. Mm. Like So no matter what, you have this bedrock thing that even if you're grieving or even if you're upset, there's still this very deep sense of well-being, even, even in the midst of all of that. Your opening chapter is called One Weird Kid. Uh, you got yeah. to explain. Well, that's about me. And um, ah. like I... I set it up to explain where I'm coming from because somebody could look at this and go, oh, yeah, it's a happy, slappy book. That's not me at all. I'm the opposite. Like, I, I, my mind is all apocalyptic all the time. I'm thinking about all these scenarios and things. I'm very aware of the news. I got my degree in journalism. I'm very aware of how all this works. And I consume information. Um, so when I'm coming at this about being at peace, it's not from a point of naivete. And it's not because I'm some crazy, you know, Pollyanna-ish person that just doesn't ever see any problems in the world. That's not it at all. It's You can be aware of all the stuff that's going on in the world and be at peace. 
not because you're naive or you don't know anything, but because you know more. And from my perspective, and I know you share this too, but it's like, I, if you watch a game, let's say, I'm sure you have classic magic games. You can remember where they came back and went at the last second. Well, during the game, you might be agitated at the refs. You might be upset. You might be all sorts of things like worried about how this is going to go. But if you rewatch the game, you don't get upset at the refs. You're not aggravated. You're not worried. Why? Because you know how it ends when you rewatch it. Well, that means everything. If you're somebody who actually believes God is good and that he's telling the truth about every tear being wiped from our eyes, like all of these sad things are going to come untrue. Like, you know how this ends. So you can actually have a lightness of heart and a lightness of being that other people maybe don't have access to, but that it's based on that. It's not naivete. It's the fact that you know more, not less. I hope that makes sense. Brad Hansen, the book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. Uh, let's move on to a couple of these unbelievable chapter titles. Not in <laughs> this for T-shirt. What does that mean, Brad? Yeah. Yeah, so I know a lot of people who struggle with their faith. A lot of people, you can look at the stats and people are leaving churches or there's there's attendance is down, all that sort of stuff. And I, there's a movement called deconstruction. When applied to Christianity, it's people going, I don't know what I believe anymore. And I understand asking big questions. I understand seeing hypocrisy and being bothered by it. But when I say I'm not in this for the T-shirt, when a lot of people are deconstructing or they're saying, I'm leaving the faith or I'm walking away, a lot of times they just cite all the hypocrisy or they cite politics or they cite this or that. What they don't tend to mention is Jesus himself. And so I'm kind of astonished by that. So I was mentioning, I'm not a believer because I like the Christian t-shirts or the movies. They can be fine. I'm not in it for that, though. I'm in it because of who Jesus is. I mean, because his kingdom is so beautiful. If you see it in action, if you actually see his kingdom in action, and people get goosebumps when they see it, with just a hint of it. His kingdom is so good. Why would I want to walk away from that? So that's, that's kind of what I was trying to tell people about losing joy or losing peace because you see hypocrites doing stuff. I get it. I've been through it. I've lived through it. But at the same time, I'm not going to let those people have the power to stop me from having the best relationship of my life. And I, I believe that's true. I believe like my ongoing relationship with God is the best relationship I'll ever have. And I'm not going to let them take that away from me. So I was just, that's, that's what that chapter is about. Now here's another interesting one. Nobody moves into assumption, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. So that is about where I'm from. I, I went to high school and, played Little League in Assumption, Illinois, tiny town. Nobody moves there. I mean, my dad was a pastor there. My parents wound up getting divorced and all that, but I was I was very lonely. And the reason I tell this story is I was 11, and we lived in a tiny house. We'd been, you know, made to leave the parsonage because my, my dad left. And so everybody knew what happened in town, scandal, and I was – actually asking God very plaintively, like, God, I need, I need a friend. I was 11 years old. I remember being in a bunk bed in this tiny house with my brother above. And I, I asked God, please send me a friend. Well, nobody moves into Assumption. Nobody. But the next day at our Little League team practice, a new kid showed up, and he was way into baseball statistics like me. He loved math. He loved geography. He loved history. He didn't have very much social skills, just like me. We hit it off. To this day, we text all the time and laugh about stuff. To this day. So what, I'm 54? That's from literally, that's from one night of me asking God for a friend. And I'm telling you, this isn't a town of 900 people. Nobody moved there. But out of nowhere, he had his parents had just gone through a divorce. God sent me my friend Rob, who's actually a brilliant state championship level basketball coach. Um, but like he sent that guy out of nowhere and we're still best friends. The next day after I cried out to him, and I, I mentioned that story because I want people to know just how good God actually is and that he does hear a, 
a, a cry of the heart. He, he draws close to those of us who cry out to him. And uh, I have to remember stuff like that because if I'm, if I'm struggling in my faith, I have to remember, wait, I may not have all the answers to every problem in the world, but I know he's faithful. I know he's good. So if I don't know what's going on, it doesn't mean he's not good. It just means I don't know what's going on. But I've seen him, and I have to recount those stories, and I, I encourage other people, too, to make a note of it, like the things he's come through for so you can remember just how faithful he is. That can help stop you from worrying all the time. Brad Hansen has written a fascinating book, uh, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. And the most fascinating part are these chapter titles. For example, uh, <laughs> Brad, chapter 10, Jesus' Favorite Subject. I wonder, I wonder what it is. Yeah, so this is interesting. Most people who've been in church for years have no clue. I, I ask this at you know Christian schools and whatnot. Hey, what is his favorite subject? People ask, or they, they guess all sorts of stuff. The answer is, the subject he talked about the most is the kingdom of God. But people don't know what that is. And so I try to tell people what it is, and I try to show them. Like, it's where God wants Whatever he wants done gets done in his kingdom. So I can expand his kingdom by making that happen in my life. What, what does he want? And his kingdom is beautiful. It means people get healed. It means people are at peace. It's, it's, it means it's stuff. It, when people see it, his kingdom, they don't even necessarily know it. They can watch reunion videos like a soldier comes back from, from war or from, from far away and surprises his daughter in a classroom, you cry, like you get goosebumps. You see somebody here for the first time, or they, they see for the first time, there's YouTube videos of people, that, like it, it gives you goosebumps. People get goosebumps at the Olympics opening ceremonies, or they see all mm. these nations like in, at peace singing together or smiling together. It's like, these are all harbingers of the kingdom of heaven, where people will be reunited, where there will be healing, the blind can see, the deaf get to hear, the lame get to leap like deer. Like, people who aren't even believers get goosebumps because they recognize they're made for this. Fascinating book. Love these titles. Uh, Brad, here's another one. Earth is crammed with heaven. Now, what in the yeah, world, that, what does that mean? <laughs> that is from, I think it's, I think it's uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Um, poem. I think it's who wrote it, but she talked about how that was her line that it's so obvious. If you walk outside, you see the beauty and the glory of his creation. Some people can ignore it, but earth is crammed with his goodness. Like his, his beauty, his order is stunning. Even at the macro and the micro level, you know, things that are subcellular, they, like just how, how it all fits together, how beautiful it all is. Music itself, like why do these frequencies make us feel this way? It doesn't have to work that way. But all of Earth is crammed with his beauty. And it, she was saying a lot of people just walk right by it, but we don't have to. We can, we can live there and be reminded of his goodness and then thank him for it. And it so happens by, by, by thanking God, your anxiety level drops when you're doing it. That is a fact. Gratitude and anxiety do not coexist very easily. Mm. So that, that's why I wanted to make a big issue out of that, because gratitude will absolutely deal with your anxiety. My guest is Brad Hansen. They're in sunny Jupiter, Florida. The book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing Real Joy in a World Gone Mad. We have another interesting segment with Brad Hansen. When we come back, why the good news is better than you think. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back with you. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Brad Hansen is in Jupiter, Florida. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. That's the book. And, and Brad, as I mentioned, uh, why the good news is better than you think. What's that mean? Well, when I'm talking about the good news, 
a lot of times people think, okay, the good news, the gospel, like, I think I understand that. And they don't always understand it. And I'm, I'm still understanding it. But that word, like gospel is a very churchy word, but they used it before Jesus. Like the Romans used it, or the, the Greeks would use it. Whenever a new a king took over a new region, whenever they expanded like the the limits of Rome or they expanded any any kingdom, they would send someone into that area to say, "Great news, we have good news. The king is now this guy, and he's going to make your life better." And they used the word gospel in the Greek. There's even a there's even a tablet in Priene, Turkey that's all about Caesar Augustus, but it talks about the gospel, the good news that his kingdom is now here. So you're supposed to be thankful that this new king is here and his, he's got a gospel, the good news that this kingdom is here. So when Jesus is coming and he explains what his kingdom's like, and he's saying, I have good news, my kingdom's here. It's fantastic news because he gets up and announces who it's for. Like people who are on the outs are now in. People who are mourning can be happy. People who are poor in spirit can be happy. Like, it's fantastic news because his kingdom doesn't work like any other kingdom. And it's actually a place of peace, and you can actually find some rest in it. So when he's talking about his kingdom, he's talking about his way of life and how we can all participate in it. And it's way better news than anything I think the world has on offer. It's it's just the best news ever. So that's, that's where I was going with that. Is God on an ego trip? Topic 22. Yeah, that's one. That's what it's got on ego trip. A lot of people ask me, and I wondered this too for the longest time, because if you hear around religious stuff, it's like, I'm supposed to praise God. You have to praise God. Let's sing his praises. Sing. You have to praise God. Like, why does he need all this? Why does he need praise all the time? Like, is he, why does he have to tell, we have to tell him how great he is again? That's really weird. And the answer is, he doesn't need it. He wants it for us because what happens is when we sing or praise him, say good things about him, remind ourselves of his goodness, his faithfulness that endures to all generations, his love for us, that he's actually good. When we remind ourselves, we can live at peace. He's telling us to do everything he tells us to do is so that we can have a life of peace. And that means the sense of well-being regardless of circumstances. Well, if you're praising God instead of being anxious, Instead of constantly, you know, taking in one news story after another and getting worked up and angry about it, instead of that, you're actually talking to God and thanking Him for who He is and what He's done. You're going to be much more at peace. So everything He tells us, He's not on the ego trip. He's telling us for our own good. He doesn't need that. This is for us. So that's what that chapter is all about. And then your last chapter, and I'm jumping around a little bit, Brad, uh, digging through these fascinating top uh, topics. How about the song you will sing? Yeah, so there's a story in the Old Testament. It's kind of wild. Like when Moses leads the Israelites through the the sea, that parts, and they're on the other side. He everybody breaks into singing, and there's actually a song in 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 the Bible that they sing, and there's it goes on and on and on. As you might imagine, like you just what witnessed this miracle, you thought you were going to die, now you're alive. God made himself obvious. But then Moses' sister goes aside and starts singing her own song. And it's like, why? Why would she need to do that? So in that chapter, I try to explain why she would. Because if you you go back in time, she was at another sea with reeds in it, thinking that Moses was going to die at the hands of Pharaoh. He was in that basket, and he had been discovered. And they were killing all these baby boys. Well, she thought her her brother's going to die at the hands of Pharaoh. But if you look at it from her perspective, now her little baby brother just destroyed Pharaoh, thanks to God. Pharaoh's like the Adolf Hitler of the time. Like he's an all-powerful despot who was a, a genocidal leader. And that baby in the basket winds up defeating him. So she peels off to sing her own song. And I was thinking... Like in heaven, if you're going to have tea with her, you can look back on your own life, and she can t- tell you about the song that she's singing, and you'll probably have your own song, because you'll be like, you know what? Looking back on life, I never actually needed to be worried about anything. I thought I did. 
but I, I, I didn't. Huh. I never actually needed to be worried. And that's the approach that Jesus has. He's not worried. He's very relaxed. We're supposed to have a faith like that. Like, you actually don't need to worry. You can be like the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. You can do this. And it's a much better way to live. So I was just kind of asking, hey, at the end of your life, wonder what song you'll sing, like Miriam. Fascinating stuff. Brad Hansen. I'm going to go back up to the top of the book now. We talked about those early chapters. And, and chapter 4, for he hath brought forth a cushion. Now, now, Brant, you think differently than than the rest of us. But <laughs> yeah, but, but but I want to yeah. hear about this one. Okay, so I I laughed about it because the word cushion is in the Bible once. It is in this, yeah, only once, and it's in the it's in the book of Mark, and Mark is the least detailed writer you can imagine. Like he's all action; he doesn't include any details. But he mentions that Jesus wanted to go out on the lake with his friends, his disciples. So they go out on boats. Jesus has a cushion he falls asleep on. <laughs> and I, like, like well, that's really an interesting detail to, to leave in there. They're all panicked because a storm hits, and it's a, it is an amazing storm. They think they're going to die. Jesus is asleep. He gets up, and, he's, and he tells them, like, why are, why are you freaking out, basically? And then he commands the storm to stop. Well, in that story... A lot of people don't realize that was his idea to go out on the lake. He wanted to do it. He knew a storm was coming. This was a test for them to see, are you actually going to worry or not? Are you going to be anxious when things, are, when things look bad? Or are you finally going to get it and realize that even if the worst-case scenario happens, you're going to be okay? Even if the ships go down, you're going to be okay. In me... You have eternal life. Your life is already start. Eternal life's already started. You're going to be all right. You just pass from one life to continue it more in a different way. But it's like he's got you. So I love that fact. I love when Jesus is demonstrating that to say, look, things are looking very dim. I know in this world you will have troubles. But then he says, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. But be of good cheer. Like, you can look at the news, look at all this stuff, and say, yep, I know what's going on, but he's overcome this somehow, and I can be of good cheer. That's not, not, that's not naivete, it's not stupidity, it's living in the reality of who he actually is. A genius idea. Outsource your worry. Topic number five. Yeah, so... I don't know if you know who Tim Ferriss is, read any of his books. He's a, yes, like a yes. business. Yeah. So I was reading one of his books, and he was talking about how he outsources everything to a personal assistant in India. Well, she schedules his dental visits and, you know, her his appointments, whatever is going on. And he said that he was really worried about something one morning, and so he was talking to her about her to-do list. And he said, oh, yeah, one more thing. Can you worry about this for me? And she was like, okay, I'll put that on the list. And she did. She said, I worried about that for you today. And it was a joke, but he said, he said, I said it as a joke, but it actually worked. Like having somebody else out there worrying for me kind of took it off my plate. Because there's this sense of control we get from worry. It's, it's, it's not smart, but with that, we're all that way. But he was saying just having somebody else. And I was thinking the biblical language, both Old and New Testament, is to throw your cares, to cast your cares on God because he cares for you. So you're literally outsourcing your worry to him, saying, yeah, I could be upset about what could happen here, what could happen with this election, what could happen next week, what could happen at the doctor's office. Brand, we got about two minutes left. Tell me about a place where God walks the earth, topic six. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so if you haven't heard about this, you should. It hasn't been on the news. It ought to be. It's one of the best stories in the world. I'm not exaggerating. Cure International. You can find them at cure.org. They run (laughs) surgical hospitals around the world in some of the poorest countries to do surgeries for kids who have fixable, correctable disabilities. It's phenomenal, and it's all done in the name of Jesus. Like, that's, that's the whole point is to do it. No one's coerced to join, you know, to become a Christian or anything. They'll heal anybody. 
Muslim kids, it doesn't matter. But that's what's so wonderful about it. you. Welcome everybody, you heal them, and you tell them about the kingdom of God. That's what Cure does. So that's what one mom called these one of these hospitals. I've been to these hospitals many times. It's the best representation of Jesus I've ever seen in my life. It just looks like stuff that he would do and using his people. It's beautiful. These people are charged zero dollars and zero cents, and now maybe their 15-year-old boy can get up and run where he couldn't walk before. Like, it's one miracle after another. And they do thousands of these surgeries every year, maybe 20,000-plus surgeries, and they're all free because people pay for it. So one of the moms, when she found out that her 14-year-old boy was going to be able to walk, just said, this is the place where God walks the earth. Like, he's obviously here. So I like to tell a lot of those stories about those hospitals because people need to know about it. It's incredibly encouraging um, to know that what God is doing in the world is so beautiful, but you just don't hear about it. You don't read about it, but you need to know about it because he's that good. And um, I, I love counterbalancing some of the negative with the reality of what he's actually doing. Well, folks, let me just say this. If you enjoy Brent Hansen on the airwaves, you're going to uh, like him even more on the printed page. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. Experience a real joy in a world gone mad. That's going to be a good read for you, folks. Well, thanks for joining us for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Back next weekend for more. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. God bless you, and we'll uh, see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.